So welcome to Cookies and Profits. Where we talk about cookies and, and profits. profits. Uh, today we're joined by uh, <laughs> the, the guys from Thread, Chris and Zach. Welcome. welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you guys. Excited to be here. Yeah. Very happy to be here. Awesome. So give us a little elevator pitch. Who is Thread and what do you guys do? Good thing we rehearsed this. You go ahead. <laughs> So Thread is a creative studio, specifically not a marketing agency. Um, we love to focus on creative output. So I started as a filmmaker, started out in video production. Chris came on pretty soon after that, after Thread was launched and is a designer in the kind of brand and web world. Um, so from the start, we were kind of multidisciplinary and that's kind of the track that we've continued to grow on. Um, but what we love is creating awesome stuff to sort of arm uh, companies, marketing departments, or if they're smaller, you know, whoever it is that's helping them with that. Um, not getting too much into kind of the back end, but just creating awesome visual assets for people. So nice. What would you add to that, Chris? I was going to say that. <laughs> uh, no, I, th I think that's pretty much it. I think we do. We care. Although we focus a lot on creative output, we do care a lot about like helping leverage communication well. So there is certainly a strategy aspect to what we do quite a bit. Uh, sometimes we come in, you know, we're working on a rebrand with a company and we have to kind of take it down to the studs to figure out who they are and what they're all about. Um, and so much of that is still strategic and communications oriented. But um, yeah, we just really care a lot how organizations show up for their audience and like, you know, help them kind of create assets that help them do that. So, and it's design, photo, film, and then we kind of work in the digital space too a ton. So we focus a lot on web design and web development. Yeah. I love that. So to give a little context, like what are some of the brands you work with or what are, what are some of the types of companies that, that you normally, uh, yeah, do projects for? Yeah. So it's a pretty wide spectrum. Um, we work with, you know, I'll just, I'll speak on the design and development side. Uh, we've recently worked with a interior design studio in New York city that decided to go direct to consumer with some of their products and kind of offer like a really cool experience where they can actually take what they do on the interior design side and bring it direct to consumer. So they launched a brick and mortar store and then an e-commerce experience. Uh, we worked with, uh, Cabalar Meat Company, which is a, like a local restaurant that I know a lot of us love. Uh, but we kind of, you know, started with Steve really early to hop in and help him clarify like what his brand is really all about. And then we've been working with him on brand identity and web design and development and some other marketing assets. Um, I mean, there's, yeah, just, it's all over the place. Small mom and pop Who's businesses. Your biggest client? Our biggest client currently is Anchor. A-N-K-E-R, they're like a power power supply battery company. Um, and yeah, so we work specifically with their their team that does like mobile power stations. So like kind of like generator sized electrical, uh, basically just batteries for camping and traveling and stuff. Um, so that's been a film and photo uh, client so far um, that we've been been running with for a little bit. Definitely the 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 biggest. Um, it's interesting for us. Though, I feel like bigger isn't always better when it comes to clients. Like, you know, I think especially on the photo and video side, like pr production can scale and there can be more resources. 
but it's not necessarily always more profitable, which is really interesting. I think an interesting kind of nuance to our business is like, you know, if we, if we do it right, we can work with a smaller client and still, you know, mm -hmm. still do well. So, but yeah, they'd be our biggest right now. They're a billion dollar client, right? Well, not for us. <laughs> not for us. <laughs> That's true. You guys are in the hundreds of millions, though, I'm sure, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah we're up in the hundreds. Anchor is an interesting study in growth because their their founder and CEO is like in his 30s still. Yeah. And he, I think it's been like 10, 10 to 15 years and they just had a vision. And I mean, obviously I've achieved that. And I think he may have been kind of in the in the industry, like in the kind of battery space. And then at some point decided like, hey, I'm going to go do my own thing. So. I'm guessing, I'm guessing there was, it wasn't like he just bought one battery and went from there. You know, I'm, I'm guessing there was some sort of investment or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you guys just recently started posting consistently on Instagram. Thanks for noticing. <laughs> I know, Zach, I always used to give you crap because like, I never know what you guys are working on because I never get a story post, not even a, a feed post ever. No, I think so early on there was, there was some strategy, I think, to that. So I came from freelancing and sort of, you know, serving a lot of other people's productions. And then whenever I decided to start thread, there was a couple projects that I had. One of them was a documentary for Luca, which is a, a restaurant. If you're in the Lancaster area, you'll, you'll know Luca. But Do you have a documentary? Yeah. Yeah. I want to get into that because okay. you told me a great story about when you guys went to James Beard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Yeah. So as, as it relates to this part of the conversation, so that was like, that was one of the first things that happened once thread was sort of like, basically thread was just a name that I put on what I was doing, uh, and was kind of open-handed about where it would go. But, um, once that project landed, I was like, all right, I'm going to slow play. Like, I don't want to just come out with everything I'm doing and, and, and kind of, I guess, put, put something out there that people are going to start to think, oh, this is what he does. So I was like freelancing on a lot of other people's productions, helping bring those to life. But I had this thing that I was like, well, this is the thing that I want to be first, you know, for people to see. And so I kind of like Chris, actually, we knew each other at that time and we're working kind of side by side while Chris was um, freelancing and then working in another business. Um, and he kept saying like, dude, you're not like, you got to show something, share something. And I was like, but you know, I'm waiting for this, this kind of moment to share. Um, so I did that. And I think that really like set us on a trajectory. Like it sort of was like, Hey, let's come forward with our, with our something that we're really proud of. And I think that's, that's somewhat, well, there's, mo there's many reasons that we're not sharing enough, but that might be one of them. You know, we want really want to share, the work that we're proud of. Um, so, you know, we're trying to get better at that. The good thing is that we're doing more work that we're proud of now kind of than ever before. So we're excited. We're re redesigning our website and definitely planning to, to share more. So, so creatives through and through. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we think like marketers, you know, I serve on a marketing committee. I mean, we care deep, like we know that what we do interacts and overlaps in the marketing space, but there are people smarter than us, more analytical, like, you know, that are better suited to implement those things with ourselves. We definitely have not been, we haven't done the best work for ourselves in that sense, but from I, a marketing standpoint, yeah, from a marketing standpoint, but I feel like we're, well, yeah, I think it's the plight of a small business owner. You know, you're, you're, you've, if I'm spinning it in a positive sense, there's probably a lot of layers to this combo, but I think you, when you have a lot of things on your plate, you're doing all your sales, you're doing all your production. Sometimes that part of what you're doing, you know, feels like 
it feels like a lot of effort and a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, they end up starting to focus on it when they're kind of in this scarcity mindset. They're like, oh, we don't, we're not getting any leads right now. So now we need to turn on the social media kind of like stuff. Thankfully, I, I mean, if it's kind of definitely from like a, just a place of privilege in some sense, like we, we've uh, are afforded ourselves like the ability not to post because we have great relationships with people. Yeah. We're in a service industry. I mean, a lot of our work is through word of mouth. And so that's been really, really helpful. And we've been able to build trust with people behind the scenes by showing our portfolio. Uh, but it's definitely something we're now at a, kind of like a point kind of in our own growth where it feels like we have the team in place and the focus in place where we could actually start to market in a way that we actually feel Really, well, at least me. I know yeah, you're for better sure. at this than me, but I feel really proud of. Um, so we also, I think, benefit yeah. from being in an industry where like you don't need 10 sales a day. You need one sale every few weeks, you know, and the, the product that we're creating when it goes out into the world is marketing material in a sense, you know, especially like, I mean, all of it, I would say there's nothing that's not that way. You know, we, yeah. whether it's a film that goes out, a website that goes live, you know, if people are intrigued by the work, they're able to find us. So, so not to, not to say that that's a good strategy going forward, but it's what's, no, I mean, it's it what's brought us to this point. So yeah, like let's take, let's take anchor as an example. Cause they're, they're probably your big, well, you said, yeah, they're your biggest clients. So like, mm -hmm. what did that look like? Yeah. How so, did they find you? What, what, how, cause what, did you guys put out the project? We also, yeah, there's several we, projects we also out. come from where like we need 10 sales, like, a minute <laughs> like like it's a lot different right so it's like it's a totally different thing too yep, yep. yeah so like most of our clients it was just relationships so they hired they hired a, a brand manager into a re remote position who lives here in lancaster happened to live here from lancaster or is living in lancaster he's from pittsburgh and i went to the same college as him mm -hmm. um chris knew, knew him really well and they'd connected around chris's creative work in the past so you know, it wasn't, yeah, it, we always, we always say, even just as we're connecting about where we are business wise, like three, you know, three years ago, if we would have sat and looked at the studios that ex inspire us, the agencies that inspire us, we'd, we would say like, how do you get to like f a five person team, a 10 person team? And how do you get like that client or that client? Mm -hmm. And, and I think, you know, there's, there's a couple of things. Number one, if you're putting out, if you're putting out work, that's that you're proud of, I think, you know, you're going to find the right people who believe in it too. But the other thing is, you know, like as we grow older, our peers get into, get into positions in their career trajectories where they're in decision-making power or have yeah. decision-making power. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think we've, we've sort of benefited from both of those being really convicted about the work we're doing and then mm -hmm. also caring a lot about fostering relationships and, mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah. Anchor more than ever yeah. when, when they hired this guy as a brand uh, manager for them, they were starting to release that power bank line and that power bank line kind of like fits into the outdoor adventure kind of like vertical way more and more than anything else that they've ever had product line wise. And so his aim and kind of what he was hoping to do was start to pivot some of the, um, kind of like marketing around that specific product line into more of like a lifestyle brand, into more of like a Yeti type space where uh, we're focusing on lifestyle, not just specific features and benefits the whole time. Mm -hmm. um, and storytelling. And storytelling because of that. So, so we 
through relationship, but also through work, you know, kind of fit the bill for him as he was trying to like bring that back to their global team and stuff like that. So worked out perfectly. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think the, like, that's the first part, right. Is like getting in the room or getting the conversation. The other one is like winning, winning the work and then keeping the client, you know, cause there's a lot of like, you know, especially at a, at a, in, when you're working with a larger client, like if they're not happy, they're just going to, you're not, you know, not that you're nothing to them and like, they're not, you know what I mean? But yeah. it's not, it's not a big thing for them to move on. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, th I think what, what we've been proud of lately is like, so since then our contact, the local contact, like he's left the company and we retained the business, oh, nice. which is, you know, it's a, a sign of, you know, not only doing good work, but doing it the right way and connecting with the, you know, creating meaningful connection with the people who have that power once that, that guy's gone. So. so do you guys have like your pipeline booked out for like the next year? How far out do you go? Or like, cause I know you, Cameron said you, you guys brought on another two people, right? Or, yeah. Yeah. You guys have been busy the last few months hiring some people. Yeah. So we're currently a team of six, which is awesome. So amazing. The biggest we've ever been. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I would say it, it varies by department right now. So, some of the processes obviously just have a lot more kind of ramp up to, to get to like meaningful production, whether it's, you know, with brand, there's so, there's so much strategy and kind of uh, discovery that really paves the way for those process to, process to happen. Um, on the, on the kind of photo video side, it's like, there could be an engagement that's pretty quick where it's like, you know, we, we always want to understand who it is that we're working for and why we're doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, but it might not be something that, you know, needs a ton of pre-production. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're talking with a new, new client right now who, you know, th their question, it's a photo video project. And they were like, could we do this this year? And we're like, yeah, I mean, we can do it next month. You know, that's, we can definitely work it in. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but, but I think, the the interesting thing about our growth is like we're we're investing in growth it's it's also by necessity and so there there is this sort of balancing like how how deep is how far out does the work that we have currently take us and what do we need to do it what do we need in-house to achieve that work you know on the timeline that the client expects mm -hmm. so you know i think we've sort of gotten to that place that we would have looked at a few years ago and said like, Oh, so that's how you have a team of six, you know? And then you think about when do we need, when, <laughs> yeah. when do we need number seven, you know, yeah. which is awesome. Yeah. It's, Oh, go ahead. Uh, it's just, uh, I mean, from an outsider's perspective, like I come from having a recording studio. And so it was like the same thing where it's like these studios that are just like working with whoever, I don't know, name the artist. I'm like, how do you get there? Cause there's no like, direct what like those people aren't even managing their own socials if you want to work for those people you can't do social media marketing to yeah, them. so it's right. just like getting there it's like from an outsider i mean you guys are kind of in the same industry where it's like very creative and it's also just like there's no direct path for marketing uh there is for you for you guys necessarily but i mean if you want to work with if you want to be picky about it or whatever so it's just it's just cool to see well. yeah 100 percent. Yeah. i think the only thing other thing i was going to add is you were sharing zach was you know as as we start to market more hopefully we have you know more leads that are coming through that pipeline right that's the whole point 
That being said, I feel like our best leads are often relational. Uh, recently, we just, I mean, we put out a huge flux of proposals over the last month. And I'm guessing because of where these relationships have come from, some of them being like totally like kind of organic leads that even came through our site, that our conversion rate will probably go down. <laughs> and so because of that, you know, we, you know, if all of them landed, we would be booked up probably for the rest of the quarter. Um, if they don't, though, I'm like inclined to keep keep pushing there. Uh, with each employee we add, you know, we add like a certain volume of work that we can kind of handle at any given moment. Um, we're encouraged to keep pushing right now, though, because there's there's better creatives that we want to bring onto our team, too. So we're excited to see where we could keep going. So does like each department handle their own proposals and outreach and all of that? Yeah. So when it when it gets to the proposal stage, you know, definitely, um, you know, I think I think one of the things that that has brought us to where we are, too, is like we we were pretty high touch with like most clients across departments, like especially when it was, you know, just Chris and I, mm -hmm. and then our partner Matt came on to open photo for us. And, you know, we've always felt like, you know, f for us, if we can, if we can get in the room with, with the stakeholders in, a, in, I mean, I guess technically it'd be a sales meeting, but just in a meeting where we get to, um, start to understand who they are, start to speak some, some vision into the room. Like, you know, our, <laughs> we had a pretty good track record with, with clients where we're able to build at least that much relationship. So, so we always, you know, we would, our earlier sales process would definitely be pretty high touch, like, you know, all in, like, let's, let's try to get this thing. Mm -hmm. I think with volume, the ability to do that, you know, definitely, definitely goes down. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but you know, I think, I think where, where our capacity goes down, like it's one of the things that we specifically look for in building our team is like, would, would we be comfortable with this person in that room? Um, not to, not to replace anyone else who would be there, but simply to bring what it is that we value, which is like an ability to listen well, understand, start to cast vision. Um, so I think we're expanding our ability to do that, even though maybe like, you know, Chris and I and Matt might not always be in the room, but. So you're talking about like casting vision. So it's like, if a brand reaches out to you, how much vision are they bringing to the table for the campaign? And then how much are, is Thread contributing to that? I think it depends on the client. You know, we, we have some clients that come to us that have really specific like needs. Um, sometimes those are really fun projects. You know, it, there's really awesome people working at, you know, lots of different marketing departments all over the country. Uh, we love to serve and help support, you know, kind of their vision and help bring it to life. But we certainly have a fair bit of clients that come to us with a problem that needs creative problem solving, you know? And so that's where, I think, I actually think we thrive in those situations. Um, and we can kind of, uh, we've seen this happen a fair bit where we're kind of the bolt on, uh, you know, marketing or creative department for smaller teams, uh, because of our ability to listen, digest, synthesize, and kind of, you know, create vision for what, you know, what solutions might look like moving forward. So yeah, I would say, I would say generally speaking, like the earlier we can be in the room in the process, the better the outcome. And, and part of that is, part of that is being able to contribute to the development of the plan. But the other part of it is the more we're able to speak into that, the more that, that we believe it's the right, you know, the right thing for them to do. And so when it comes time to, to execute, it's like, man, we're just so excited to do it. Cause mm -hmm. you know, we've been able, it's not just being handed a brief and saying, Hey, do this, you know? Um, so.
Yeah, we, you know, kind of in the creative agency space, there's always like the RFP kind of process. Uh, we've never, well, there's been one RFP process that we almost went RFP? through. Request for proposal. Um, so as you kind of scale up an organization and uh, especially with nonprofits and like governmental organizations. So it's like bidding. Exactly. Yeah, so the client will, will essentially lay out what the, what the and then project you can come is in and, bid and, and open it, it up and, and yeah. studios and agencies can essentially. Is there, a, is there a public place where you could just like hop on and bid? There is for like city or government oriented stuff. Um, not really outside of that, that I know of personally. Um, yeah. So it typically, you know, a client would create, create the, the RFP and then send it specifically to a number yeah, of you're looking at, Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. You, have to, you have to be known. In yeah. That. yeah. Yeah. But you exactly. know, the landscape that you're entering is okay. You know, our, our, our proposal is going to be sitting there next to, you know, nine or 10 other ones. So I feel like Cameron's just in love with you guys because he's just <laughs> such a creative. And so I always push him to like do more that's crappier. And he's just over here. Like, like oh, wait, just, you guys do deep work. You didn't have to do that in one hour. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, you and I have talked about it a ton. It's just yeah. like when we first met like playing cards or whatever, I was like, Jeez, this is so cool. I want to do stuff like this. Doug's motto is done is better than perfect. And I've come yes. from the world yep. similar to yours where it's like everything's very curated and polished. And like, I want to put like my heart and soul into every project that I create and working for Taylor Chips just like completely shattered that. Yeah. Not be, not because of like... It's been a push. Taylor, it's yeah. been a push. Good though. But I would say what you guys have done a good job of though is like finding things where... where so the medium, like the mediums you're working in where like you're going on the street, just talking to people, right. like you can have creative conviction about what that feels like in the end, but it's, but, but it's in a style that, that doesn't have like a super high bar. That's a, there's a high bar. You go out on the street, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is like, I, I think you're doing it better than most people because you have conviction about what it should be. Right. Does that yeah, make yeah, sense? Yeah. Like, no, no. Yeah. For it's sure. a style that would, you could oh, go out there. I mean, it resonates too. Like, you know, what, what we're doing, but the new stuff that we're doing, I'm, I love, they just take too long to edit. So, I mean, <laughs> the story. Medium, so not you, the medium though, is typically more low fidelity. Yes. And so the fact that you are bringing that conviction that you have to do it well and excellent. I mean, even in this podcast situation, it's like, it helps it stand out. And because, well, and this happens in all sorts of industries. Like, you know, we're working the HVAC, like for an HVAC company, working on a brand, it's like, man, the rest of the industry has no distinction. They all say the same thing. They exactly. all market the same way. We're doing it in a different way. So, so I think that's kind of what you're yeah, saying. I guess I would ask a question too. Do you feel like the success you've had from marketing efforts in that space have come more from the idea generation or like the execution, if that makes sense? Because Cameron, you've, you've shared some ideas that I don't know if, I don't know. I'm not going to say them out loud. Oh, so you should say, no, say them out loud. Say them out loud. Like sending cookies to space was oh, one right. of the things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like we a, tried yeah. that, but we couldn't get helium. Yeah, there's uh, a helium sort there's shortage. There's a helium shortage. And then there was the whole spy balloon thing, which probably <laughs> yeah, didn't help. The, like, the spy balloons <laughs> took it off. <laughs> yeah. That was the thing that yeah. they shot down in Montana. Was they thought it was China. Cameron's like, it's not me. It's not me. It's like actually a bunch of cookies. When they pop it, just says TaylorChipCookies.com. Like, did you see the spaghetti like dumped in the middle of the woods? Yes. Did you see yes, that? Yes. Yeah. Genius marketing. Yeah. It was so, Bonzo pasta. So would you say that's kind of been the, the sauce there for you guys? Yeah, it's I like, think creative's huge for us. Oh, yeah. And just I mean, like, and in that creative comes like the storytelling and realizing that like there's nothing 
particularly special about a cookie. And so it's like, what in that can we create something that's super compelling and that makes people right. want to watch? I mean, yeah. I like to say our cookies are the best in the wor- world and nobody cares. So it's like, that's, that's kind of, I think the approach to marketing that I've always taken from the beginning, it's always been like, we've done videos on Facebook that we spent over a million dollars on. And it's always just, it's either just like a really, really crappy video of just holding cookies with like copy all about like the founding story and all of that stuff. Or it's just like videos of the customers talking, me and Sarah talking, Cameron's in it or whatever. And so that's because people don't fall in love with the cookie, no matter how good it is. They fall in love with the the brand behind it or the people making it. So, yeah, I've just recently been able to like slow down a little bit because like Doug wanted like three posts a day on every social media platform for the longest time. And so it's like that doesn't give you a lot of room to like really create something and then implement and like edit to how mm-hmm. it's supposed to work. If actually, I don't want any posts on any social media ever. I just want whatever the algorithm is favoring. Sure. And so sometimes now the algorithm has switched for the most part. It seems to favor more good storytelling and high Correct. quality yeah. over volume. But, you know, eight months ago, that wasn't the case. Yeah, right. I agree with that. So I think I said, I think it was about six months ago, five to six months ago, I was like, we need to swap uh, out. Thank you, algorithm. Yeah, there's a new algorithm. I mean, for the longest time, though, I've wanted to do more quality based content. And you're always like, no, three times a day. I'm like, well, do quality and three times a day. Yeah. yeah, it's just, <laughs> I mean, I do think there's you normally right though, when yeah. it comes to like, but there's things. different, I think there's different reasons for different types of, of creative, right? Like I think Cameron, you and I talked about this where, it, um, it's like, does, does Coca-Cola need to advertise during the Super Bowl? Like they're probably not going to lose somebody to Pepsi because they didn't put an ad out there. Right. But, but it's a different at that point, it's like, we want to make a commercial that people are entertained by mm-hmm. yeah, and it's just continue a to bring that, build our kind of brand yeah. you know, in people's minds. Well, that's why but, I wanted, partly why I wanted to have you guys on too, because you are creating that, that commercial content. And it's like, I guess like, well, the same thing I think about when we're creating content, like who cares? Like who's going to watch that and be like, oh, I need that thing. And so it's like, specifically, you mean? Or like an anchor sound box thing or whatever. I think we we go back, we're always talking like, you know, if it takes more than X amount of time, it's not worth it because, you know, the, 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 we have videos now that are at like 10 million, 5 million on Facebook or whatever. And they're just cookies coming out of the machine. Mm -hmm. And then you spend a lot of time on something and it doesn't it doesn't resonate for some reason. Do you know what your conversion rates on that 5 million? Oh, it's horrible. There's no conversions. So volume isn't necessarily an indicator of success. There's no conversions, but what that does is it allows us to gather a gr- very big top of funnel and then we put intent based marketing behind those people who have already been touched. So then they recognize it and subconsciously they're bringing which brings our actual conversion up totally yeah so you're like volume does matter because it's top of funnel i just want as many people to just see this thing yeah i think i worked at apple for 10 years which i hate this as a reference point because everybody's like oh well apple you know like well you know i so please please forgive me like go straight to the top like like cell phones apple or like corporate apple uh, I worked retail. I okay, worked retail. Gotcha. So I was in the belly of the beast, kind of lower on the totem pole. But why? 
Why did I work there? Yeah, did you like it a lot? It's a great company to work for. Yeah. yeah. And I was there just to kind I of... You. I remember you being there. Yeah, I, I mean, it's retail, but it's very... I mean, it's growth-centric. It's definitely... It yeah. favors people who want it's to fun. grow. Yeah, it's And the fun. customer service is great. And you're working in the belly of like a very successful brand. And so for me, it actually inspired me to double down on brand and design. So, you know, Apple... And maybe this is more kind of in the vein of like some of how you think. Apple spends historically, maybe less in recent years, but historically spends the least out of any company on marketing. Mm -hmm. And they focus, they double down on having an incredible product and building incredible experiences, all clarified and kind of saturated through brand, you know? And that always kind of like captured my attention. Like, you know, sometimes we feel like noise is the way to get to sales, but sometimes the way to get to sales is building the best cookie in the world, creating the best cookie in the world, and then just getting it in front of people. But when you saturate that in brand too, if you have the best product and then you saturate it in brand, you don't feel, at least what I have noticed is you don't feel as much pressure to kind of like just, you know, kind of feed the algorithm, I guess, so to speak. Now that is from a place of privilege, you know, right? Like not every company today has like the, the space to do that. You know, Apple, this was like 30 years ago when they started. So right. we're, we're analyzing their brand equity now. Well, but. I mean, they, they've done a great thing. I think their, their, their uh, startup costs and their marketing when they're talking about trying to beat out, you know, um, what was it? Intel and, uh, and Microsoft, that they were spending more than anybody else. Sure. Yeah. And so you you look at the first fifteen years where they weren't even like profitable. Yeah. Right. And so then in the negative. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So the the end goal is to be, you know, you you think about Apple is great because they were even when they launched, they were the last to market with everything, and they've continued that trend. They're always the last to market. Yeah. Oh, but you just the, wrote about this, didn't you? No matter how you frame it, good branding or not. You, you trick, you have to trick a third of the population into thinking you have good branding. You, you really do. Because then the other, it's, it's like when I was in music is like, you listen to what's on the radio and you actually analyze that from an artistic standpoint. You're like, this is really bad. It's like really bad. And the, the only thing is, is those people have gotten the backing of the machine that quickly distributes and then they get one third of the population to like it very quickly. And then branding takes care of the rest and then execution. And you have the whole Apple ecosystem and stuff. And so the goal of any company should be to be willing, probably be willing to spend more than anyone else market like crazy at, while thinking about their brand equity and ecosystem that they're building for phase one, two, three, four, eight. Okay. I I think it's a a luxury though. I feel like there's so many startups that we talk to that are just in a place where they want to create that flywheel effect, but they don't have money to like really invest in like traditional, you know, kind of ad spend or anything like that. And so they have to find ways to like be, to kind of like game the system, so to speak in, in different ways. So it's, it's just an interesting problem to try to solve for. I feel like, yeah, I mean the, the other thing I think you're pursuing at that point is just like brand, aw- brand awareness. Like, For sure. like you could yeah, have the 100%. best cookie and if no one knows you exist, then yeah. they're not yeah. going to, they don't yeah. know that they could even buy it. Yes. Right. And I feel like that, I mean, if you look back at, at that Apple example, it's sort of like, that was probably part of, part of it was not just toppling those other giants, but just like, 
becoming a household name. Mm-hmm. And once you get there, then it's like, you know, probably the, probably the, uh, the, the pressure on the marketing is, or the, the focus of it can be a little bit different. Yeah. It's like, Hey, we're rooted. Let's yeah. you just have, yeah, you have fun. Think about innovation yeah. growth and like, yeah, yeah. take yeah. your time with it. Yeah. But I feel like, uh, I, I was thinking as you were talking about, um, like things have changed so drastically with like just how available media is. So like YouTube, obviously the amount of video content that's out there now compared to like any time in history. But I was thinking about uh, Casey Neistat's vlogs and in the heyday, like how much small brands would send him stuff to try to get him to like open it on camera. That was like a huge part of how he got, you know, daily content for a long time was just, Oh, I guess I'll open 50 packages today. Um, and it's interesting. Like, I don't, I don't think that works in the same way in that, in that, uh, specific arena. But what I loved when you guys got the cookies to Patty, the baddie to me, I'm like, that's like getting those cookies into his hand, Mm -hmm. knowing who he is and the way he like eats after his fights is like perfect. You know? Um, so I'm curious, like how, when you guys, when you guys market, you think about like, just, there is some just let's spend, let's get this out there. Let's push stuff. But then there's also the route of like very tactical, very like creative specific. So, so my definition of product market fit for me is, can you spend money on marketing and see a direct return? Okay. So so be profitable. Yeah. Right. So like, that's all I've ever focused on when it came to our brand. So it was like, when we first started, we were spending 50 cents to a dollar to make 50. And that's how we grew. And then Apple kind of came in because they are an ecosystem and they said, ah, no more Facebook. And that changed everything, but we're still, and so was the last year we spent a million at a 1.37 ROAS losing 200,000 after that. So we lost 200,000 on the million of spend after fulfillment because our fulfillment was over that 1.37, which is why we've, you know, we're, we're striving towards automation to get that down because that's at that point, your margins are thin enough to really consider it from a labor perspective. So now that we have that, um, we're, we've been struggling to get back there, but we've just over the last month have gotten to, to that point now. Um, and we're starting to scale up some solid campaigns. And so that's how I think about marketing is just like, okay, if I'm putting a dollar out, can I get 1.79 can i get a dollar 79 back or more right and so the or more is pretty much gone apple totally destroyed that um but you still have you still have the chance to break even or make five ten percent and when you're going for if you can make one two three five percent on a new customer acquisition you can scale that company to the moon forever and so that's always what we've been doing and then I am a creative, but I've, I purposely took a lot of time to get the creativeness out of me Uh, from like, because I just saw friends like who were great musicians growing up and they just were never going to do anything with it because they were the best person in guitar center. And so I just didn't want to be that person. So that's why I think about advertising like that is because, but it's also perfect because then you do good. I do value creative and stuff like that. And so then your ROAS goes up and all of that. But then Cameron can tell you his version of marketing. Well, now. you've definitely been spoiled by the heyday of Facebook ads. Oh, yeah. Well, I got on Facebook ads in 2013, 14. And so I just all like, yeah, there was a time. There was this weird like 10 years 
where marketing was like everything everybody wanted it to be and nobody knew about it. Sure. And it was like, there was only, there was just like this group of, there was like, I was one of the first people on TikTok's advertising platform. Like they didn't even have an actual thing. They let me into their beta and like, yeah, there was just like this weird group of like 5,000 of us that actually knew like how Facebook ads worked in 2014 and you could just sell anything <laughs> to anybody and it was wild. Um, so yeah, I come from there and that's not where it is at anymore. It's more, it's a little bit back to how it now is. It's not, now it's all like top of funnel brand awareness and then for like, our type of product. Yeah. yeah. And then association too. So it's like the patty, the batty thing. The whole deal was Josh Gordon. It works out at the same gym that Michael Chandler does. So we had worked with Michael Chandler back when he fought a uh, Poirier or whatever. And so then we saw that Josh Gordon was fighting Patty the Batty and we're like, how can we get cookies to Patty the Batty? That would be so cool. We didn't have Patty the Batty's contact. So we reached out to the gym and we're like, how could we make this happen? So the deal was that we would pay Josh Gordon X amount of dollars if he could deliver a box of Taylor Chip cookies to Patty the Batty during the weigh-in. And so he had his own camera guy who was already when Josh Gordon was going to deliver the box. But then I guess the UFC was recording the same altercation too. And then... I get a call from the agent and she was like, dude, check UFC's Instagram account. And I go on and like UFC posted this whole thing. And so now it's at like 110 million or something views on, on UFC US's Instagram. And then they also posted on US uh, or UFC Europe as well. So, and that was that whole thing. More people like DM'd us and said, this is so cool. Like the, that was like the biggest thing that I think we've ever done but we where did. people actually realized who Taylor chip was and who Patty the Batty was and thought that that combination yeah. was perfect. We had Which, so many people like you who were like sending us DMS, like with the video saying, did you see this? Did you see this? Did you see this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like we, yeah, we, we did it. <laughs> we orchestrated it. <laughs> Which is super awesome. But it made it seem like it all happened organically. And I think that's like what my pursuit is and why he thinks it's so expensive. Cause it's like, I try to manufacture these moments and like, I try to do it on the street and like, we try to, go to the Super Bowl with just cookies and that's yeah. pretty inexpensive. But then sometimes you do have to put some money behind it. Yeah. To, well, to try and that's to great. talk about your Super Bowl, getting cookies into the Super Bowl YouTube video. <laughs> yeah, sure. That I watched the whole thing <laughs> you up. Did? Really? You didn't get them in? I was no. so angry. <laughs> did I you watch the whole video. Do you think we were going to? Yes, I did. We did. Here's the point. We it's honestly got, it was better than the Super Bowl. Going into the Super Bowl, I think yeah. where we got, dude, it was so wild. But like Derrick Henry and like, yeah, Tua was there. No, that yeah, that was really cool. <laughs> and I don't know anything about sports. <laughs> yeah, so I'm so talking the whole to these time, guys, and I'm like, okay, if they're taller than me, they're pros. I was like, that's, <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, I feel like it, it's so I'm talking to like. Kyle Rudolph and I'm like, I don't know who this guy is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he he went up to Matt Castle. Matt Castle spilled a drink on you. Yeah, and I was like, nice. bro, what, what the what what up? And he like he's like, hang on, it gave some other guy the finger, and he's like, sorry, bro, let me brush that off. I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. So like, yeah, the whole time I was just like, dude, this is Derrick Henry. Oh, there's Justin Fields. And then he would like go up and try to talk to him. That's awesome. <laughs> just with no idea. It's interesting to hear kind of your backgrounds and approaches because I I feel like it's harder, it's harder to measure the impact of like that moment exactly. aside from like the DMs. Right. Well, but, yeah, it's a good it's easy to measure. Did your sales go up? 
Well, no, but that's not how I measure it. At <laughs> yeah, all. Yeah. Which is good because you like can't I measure build a brand engagement. measuring whether or not your sales go up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people are still trying to figure out how to measure brand equity and brand growth all the time. It's yeah, difficult. for sure. For sure. But I feel like when you, when you separate it from like a, a metric that's like tracked for you, though. 100%. You know, like we, we work you know, it's like we have far less projects like we were talking about earlier. You know, we don't need to sell, sell, make 10 sales a minute or a second or whatever it is. Um, the other luxury that we have is we get to ask most of our clients, how did you hear about us? What was it that, you know, what was your first introduction to our work? What did you appreciate about, you know, about it, that type of stuff? I'm sure you can track down some customers and ask those types of questions, but well, we, we do get that feedback all the time because when, when customers come into retail, the retail employee or team member says like how'd you hear about us and people are always like tiktok instagram facebook Sweet. so like we get a patty pretty the good patty the batty <laughs> yeah yeah so we get a pretty good idea on the retail side whether or not like the organic stuff's working yeah. Yeah. but and then like then there's just social numbers and social proof that it's definitely like it's definitely i would say we are the perfect combination because I'm straight up like mm -hmm. I want I'm using Hyros triple whale yeah, server side I get people tracking. into your funnel. That's and, just how it works. And, <laughs> and like that's the only way. And I can't. De I was so spoiled by that for like ten years or whatever. Where like I can't detach from like watching my every cent move around the internet and you probably shouldn't. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Right. 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 And but then with with his stuff, it's like. We know it's building brand equity. We're we're building. I mean, you look at like when he joined, we had what ten thousand followers, ten thousand on Instagram, yeah, yeah, ten thousand on Instagram, and like where you at now? Uh, one or two. Yeah, one or two thousand. So we are at ten x, ten x, yeah, and one hundred and twenty thousand on Facebook, and one hundred and eighty on TikTok. Mm -hmm. What's the goal for YouTube? <sighs> Well, we're still it's trying to support right now. What's five? Up? Four or five right now? We have like 5,000. Yeah, yeah. Right something now, like that. Yeah, real or real shorts, whatever you call it over there. They do pretty well for us. But we, we haven't figured out the whole like vlogging thing or what works. The problem with, with YouTube is like, yeah, it's like my friend is like a car YouTuber, right? And he's he's like pretty successful at it. But he started, you know, earlier and like he's like now you have whistling diesel smashing seven hundred thousand dollar ferraris up and so it's like that's the level of content like it's not i don't even want to watch that mm -hmm. but youtube's only going to show that type of stuff so so it's very hard i would say youtube's very hard to break into unless you're doing like an eric or like a whistling diesel type of thing and that is there's such a high level of commitment that goes yeah. into it. that's like you have to build a team of six to mm -hmm. even get started. You know, that's right, like, right. we could do like one of those every three to six months, maybe. Yeah, we could. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like your content is kind of ready made for like shorts. Yeah. It just carries right over. Right. Yeah. But that's I mean, where the podcast comes in. I mean, podcast is a YouTube, YouTube play with, and then, you know, I think we'll get, yeah, exactly. Have AI cut it up into shorts for us. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, interesting. <laughs> I think there's, it's interesting that like, you know, obviously media consumption has gotten shorter and shorter and shorter. Like, you know, so I feel time. like it's going the opposite way I don't believe that though. But this is where he's going to, I bet. Yeah. So like, <laughs> you know, you will sit there and realize like, okay, I've been, I've watched like, you know, 20 reels in a row or whatever, just cause they're just, they just keep coming. But it's the, the, 
like people are in general though are like hungry for podcasts and they're consuming like longer form media that doesn't even have a visual sometimes. Yeah. I think it's really interesting to think about like, you know, the sort of pendulum swinging back naturally in like what we're created for, you know, we're, we're not created to be like just bombarded with, you know, mm -hmm. just, you know, high, high intensity all the time. Right. And I think it's interesting to see like the rise of podcasts in the last three to five years. Yeah. Podcasts in the last year podcasts have been like, Everybody yeah. wants to do a podcast. That's why I was so resistant. I'm always resistant to the thing that everybody's doing. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. But we thought about, well, we kicked around the idea of like, at, it was one at one point where we were like, it was still just the two of us, I think, so busy, pulled in different directions. We're like, mm -hmm. we should start a podcast just so we can like talk for, <laughs> right, for right. an hour yeah, exactly. for, for, for sure. purpose, you know? <laughs> for sure. Uh, partners therapy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, that was, yeah, Doug and I were like, we, yeah, have, these, we have these conversations like anyway. That. Why don't we just like film them? That's pretty much how we got on it. But my next YouTube idea or like my next grand idea was is, is building the world's largest cookie. I really want to do that. But what's the what's the current like where? Um, so I uh, so it's basically from the the 30 to 30 yard line on a football field mm. is how big it is. And it's got to uh, be circular, circular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's my next, that's my next idea. I'm waiting for the go ahead. It's a little expensive. <laughs> One cookie is like the cogs are like, just the cogs are like a dollar. Right. Or one of our normal cookies. Right. So it's, it would be pretty inexpensive. It would be like sub. So it would definitely be subs. subs but I would get, I would get yeah, all of sure. our, uh, I would get all of our uh, ingredient partners on board. I was going to say, do you, guys have, for do you guys have, do you guys have, like not like the base ingredients, but like the add-in stuff. Do you have partners for that stuff? No. What do you mean? Like wh where my mind went was, you know, at, at the Hershey factory, how you can get like the giant, like reasons yeah, yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Like if it was a cookie that big, like you got to right. scale up on the, the, the add-ins too. Yeah. No, yeah, we don't well, have those types of partners. I don't think. No, we do it. All our inclusions we make from just flour, sugar or whatever, whatever, maybe. But I think it would be really cool because then we would be in Guinness World Book of Records and we'll have like a stamp on history forever. Until somebody next year makes a bigger one. It hasn't been done since 2002 or three, and it wasn't even done in the US. Wow. And there's, and, there's got to be so many people right now that are going, I want to make the world's biggest cookie. Maybe they are now because we're talking about it. All right, you but get, it was it, done. Listen, if it doesn't cost any money. Yeah. What's my budget? Because I'll get you zero. A thousand dollars. thousand dollars. I think it's like 40,000 pounds of dough or something. Yeah. So get the partners involved. So they're the ones that are spending 20,000. And we're just the, like the media company that's like promoting it. There, what, however you want to spin it. I don't know. So anyway, I think that would be a great YouTube series. Like even, yeah, even, even like, like the build up to it. it. Yeah, yeah even if it takes idea. two to three years, it's the same thing with getting cookies to the rock. Like that's my goal by the end of the year. And I'm going to keep we're on saying. And then we're going to make a documentary and then we're going to sell the licensing to Netflix. And exactly. Easy peasy. exactly. Can we do that? Let's do that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You would know. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting. It's like a totally different conversation, but like distribution in the film world has changed. Yeah, a ton with streaming. Yeah. Like you basically, it, well, there's a writer strike going on, and well, we're not unions. So. <laughs> right, right. No, but you're you're kind of like you're the small guys who kind of benefit from this type uh, of storytelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, in general, like when you're talking about doing that, 
are you building the documentary and then and then pitching it to the networks like Prime, Netflix, XXX, whatever? Yeah. So I think there's a couple routes. One is like find find a story you believe in, self-produce it, and then try to sell it essentially after the fact. The other would be to either make like a short to pitch, you know, so it's like, hey, here's the concept. Here's what it's going to look and feel like. Or to just pitch, pitch the idea and try to get some investors involved. Right. But, yeah. But yeah. Did, um, did you pitch the short that you made for Luca? No. So that was, um, I mean... I think, I think where is this got, out the documentary? Oh yeah. This is like yeah. probably 2017 or 18 or, yeah. or 18, 19, 18 or 19. Um, when you told me the story, it was really great. Can you retell yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. it? All happened. Did, did they get like, where's the, where can you watch it? Just YouTube or is uh, it like, it's, uh, it's on our Vimeo for sure. Um, I'm, sh- I'm sure they have it somewhere, but, um, it's on our site. It's true. You're it's supposed a, to plug our site. Yeah. Made by thread.com. by thread. Um, yeah. So I, I think I was, I was just going to preface by saying, I feel like, you know, part of the, the way that we've gotten to where we are as a company is just like being ready, preparing ourselves for the next thing. So that when it comes, it's like, all right, this is what we've been preparing for. And so I was, I was freelance for like a long time. Like I was, I think it was probably 2000, uh, 11, 12, 13, somewhere where I like went full time as freelance creative. And, and so like, there's a lot of time, you know, cutting your teeth and, and learning about things while serving other people. Um, so I think, you know, when I, when I started thread, um, and this is like, you know, definitely a, a nod towards if you're young, just like hustle and get after it. Um, because Luca found us because of, uh, at the time free work that I was doing, creating stories for, uh, for another client, another client in the food industry. And, uh, it, it was really like, for me, it was, it was, it was testing to see if like, w- is it worth it for us as a business to do like stories? Cause the investment to get us out, you know, and somebody's posting that and it's gone in a day. So Taylor at Lucas saw this and reached out to us. And so the first thing that he asked about that we were going to do was like Instagram stuff. It was just social kind of disposable stuff. Um, Top of the funnel stuff. Yeah, he called it disposable. Yeah, he did. Stuff that is there for 24 hours. That's a little bit harsh, but you know what I mean? Like it's it's not something you're going to build like a campaign around. Stuff you spend 20 seconds doing. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so we, we were, you know, we got into a couple of meetings talking about that stuff. And I was, at the time I was like, sure, this is like a good client to work with, you know, let's do it. Um, and in one of those meetings, he was like, Hey, we're like, we want to do it. Let's go for it. We're gonna have to wait a couple of weeks because like next week we're going up to the James Beard house to cook. We've been invited to cook for their, you know, patrons. Um, and the James Beard foundation is like the, you know, sort of like the, the Oscars of the food world or whatever, you know, so they have an awards, um, side that's, that's very coveted in that world. Um, and so I was kind of like, wait, what, like, well, tell me about that, you know, like, and, and are you guys sharing that story in any way, you know, um, cause it, for our area at, you know, still, that would be a big deal. But at the time it's like, you know, they were leading kind of leading minds in the food scene and getting, you know, for Lancaster, it felt like a big thing. And, he was like, no, we're not, you know, we'll probably just post to, you know, take our own photos or whatever. And I was like, we gotta, I was like, we gotta, we gotta tell this story. We gotta, you, you Cameron it. 
Yeah. It was like, and, and so that was like a, I think it was like a Thursday and literally the next day, just, I, I said, anything that's happening related to you guys prepping for this dinner, just tell me and I'll be there. Uh, there was no time to think about like the arc of the story or anything like that. I just knew like they're getting into crunch time. This is a story that needs to be told. I'm just going to document everything and figure it out later. Including um, the proposal. The what? The proposal and money. Oh, well, yeah. So I was like, yeah, I don't know if we're going to, you know, flex some of this social media contract into this thing, or if, if, if not, like, let's just do it anyway, basically. Um, and so we, yeah, so we jumped in and, and filmed it, you know, kind of all of them going to the farm and testing ingredients and building the menu and all that stuff. Um, and then it led up to this, you know, them going to New York and we went to New York with them and we're you know, in the kitchen as they were preparing this meal and sending it upstairs to, you know, a room full of people. Um, I think the, the interesting thing about that was like, said, so because there wasn't a lot of pre-production understanding the story, like it, it was important for me to do interviews before the event happened. Like I, to me, I, one thing I love about documentaries, like you get to this point in the story where it's like live, you know, it's like, we don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I think if you, if you just tell a story after the fact, it's just sort of recounting an event and you can still sort of put yourself in that emotional place, but you already, they already know the outcome. And I think that affects interviews for sure. So we, you know, we had some of that sort of baseline stuff and some of the themes I think started to surface during that, that point, but it wasn't until like coming back, sitting, you know, just going through the footage, sitting with the interviews that I was like, okay, I think I understand more what the story is now. And so after the fact, like we continued to, to chase down sort of pieces and interviews and different things. I was like, you know, this, this story needs it mm -hmm. to, to be its best thing. And at that point it's like, you know, we're def it's definitely like self-producing and self-funding at that point, but it was just worth it, you know, to get it right. Um, the, the awesome thing about that is, you know, their, their reach, you know, was definitely bigger than, than ours at the time. And so, once they saw the th the final and, and really loved it, they were like, "Hey, let's let's try to like do a screening." So we did a screening at Zootropolis, and you know, just got to kind of celebrate not only that, you know, sort of what that meant for them, but also the creation of this, you know, this film. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was again it was like before Thread was really out there, you know, before we had work out there, um, and then delaying delaying putting it out just to keep getting pieces for it. So, mm -hmm. but I think it's paid off. Yeah. How long was that whole process? It was probably s like five or six months before it came out, like before it, before we showed it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I can't, yeah. Does that sound right? I think so. Yeah. I, I want to say it was less because obviously why did it take that long? But I think part of it was yeah. because it was like an extra project. Cause you know? Zach is creative, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there was like Dougie's going, Oh, that would have been cool to do. But now that I know it takes six yeah. months. I don't know. Yeah. How many minutes? I think it's like 15. Okay. Ish. Yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. see what I mean? Cameron. Art takes time, my man. No, 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 no. <laughs> it does. Yeah. It's both. Sure. It, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, there's we're no just, right answer. Well, be, be, well, yeah, you could say the impact would be the right answer. Yeah, I think organi organizations at their most mature do both well. They do yeah. top and they do yeah. the marker moments stuff. So, so I, I, I think it's also, yeah. I think there is a little bit of a door open. And Cameron, you may have mentioned this before too, where it's like, 
some people feel like when you go into higher production stuff, it has to get serious and it's definitely hard to do comedy. Well, like it's really hard. It's really easy to do it poorly. And so I think, um, but I was, I've been trying to think of an example that's not poopery, but do you, you know, poopery, the brand, the yeah, spray. Yeah. 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 So like they're, they're like high production, you know, sort of video content is very like it, it's witty and it's funny and it's meant to like, you know, not just get like you to go. They doctor, film all that in one day, though. The, the Tushy. Um, Are you just making this up? This no, too. I know. I know uh, the guy who filmed it. Wow, that's a flex. I'll see your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Film it in one day. day. Yeah. How much pre-production? <laughs> it's not a flex. Yeah, let's see. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I think uh, Doctor Doctor Squatch is another one too. Sure. They focus on comedy. The guy who's in all the videos, he's just a paid actor. It's, it's very similar to like Mr. Mayhem. They like, they went that route yeah. and then they're like, Instagram is all memes. Yeah. Which is so, interesting. So I feel like you don't have, you don't have to sacrifice what's working when you go into to higher production stuff. I think is my point, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to go to like the slow music and the story and here's who we are, you know, it can go that way, but it doesn't have to. I actually want to know if he did that one. I don't know if he did, right. he did a bunch of those. Well, we can look, we'll that. put it in the show note. And I was curious too. Um, because I, well, I, I shot, uh, Sealand's hot dogs with you. Let's go. Uh, yeah. Let's go. Glizzy's. Yeah. We Glizzy, did. We yeah. said contract camera. Yeah. 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 His, his salary got penalized. <laughs> so. I didn't even tell him. He called me. I was, he's like, what are you doing? Like, he doesn't tell me when he, he does like other stuff and he doesn't tell me he's like all secretive about it. I'm, I'm like, not bro, secretive. It's like, it's like, like, like I was on Zach Wilson's Instagram <laughs> and he posted a video. I'm like, video. all right, this time, I'm, next time you do it, I'm making you sign an non-compete or like or whatever. Like, no, no. We just, like, what's about? We just have to focus on, on Taylor chip stuff. I don't want to bore you with my other endeavors, but he did call me and he's like, where are you? So like, we could have been at 200,000 by in now Buffalo. if he was actually focused on the brand. No, I still, I still work 55 were, hours it, for it Taylor like, chip. Don't you worry. Research that. Like, I think you were in some it ways was, getting a yeah, peek so into no, the process. Cameron, in all seriousness, like Cameron is puts way above and beyond. And so we get, give him a percent of our nets, but this when year that happens, happens. <laughs> for this year, I'm like, you should do other work because I feel bad. <laughs> no, but like when like, I did in that the long term, it'll pay off for yeah. sure. But, yeah, <laughs> but when I, when I did shoot with you, it was wild. How many people were there to make what you guys made? I don't understand. I still don't really understand why it's necessary to have that many people. Yeah. Uh, like I'm sure if you only had like two, three people, I guess it would take longer. I guess, the, is that the rationale when you should have invited him to the anchor sheet that we just did? Yeah, I would well, say it was pretty, I would say skeleton it, for that, right? No, I would no, say it's, it's, uh, it's about <laughs> controlling variables. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, let's say, you know, part of that she was like well, on the, on the beach at the, yeah. the, whatever Lake Erie, Lake Erie or one of those lakes up there. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we had a, we had good weather, uh -huh. you know? But what if you don't like, are you, you know, cause at some point you've, you've whatever money you spent to get equipment there and get talent there and stuff. It's like, you have to start building around. We have, we need to be able to shoot this day. And if the creative calls for sunny, we need to be able to, you know, create sunny. I just remember when we were shooting. How do you like, create sunny if it's pouring down rain? Oh, with well, lights. Well, outdoors, that'd be a little bit harder. Don't tell them. Don't we've tell them. We've shot some incredible. Yeah. Some it's massive. Yeah. Some 800Ds, right? Yeah, we've shot. Uh, exactly. There's a couple but, like, things. you have a whole tarp over the whole set or what? Well, no. I mean, outdoor, outdoor would definitely. Out, outdoor, you, there's some things you can't control, right? Yeah. Um, 
but indoor stuff, it's like we've we've done sunny looks inside when it's rainy outside, yeah. you know, and it's it, so so outdoors always a little bit of a variable. Isn't that like what, so much waste? Is that like from a from a manpower standpoint? Manpower budget. Have you, you ever tried you, to so, one of your Taylor chip shoots? Exactly. Yeah. So I I, you talk about zone and zone of genius a lot. And I feel like that's exactly what that is. Like every single person that's on there has like a zone of genius that they're super good at. And like, mm -hmm. they don't even dare to cross the line of what the other person's zone of genius is. Yeah. I'm making fun of it. I'm and, just, and I'm it's kind of cool to see yeah, everyone yeah. kind of like working <laughs> together. Like you as the director, like you're not responsible for like, even setting up or tearing down sometimes, you know, it's just like, there's Which people hard there. for me. Yeah. Cause you know, I definitely like if people are working, I feel like I need to be working too right. physically, but I think, you That's know, crazy. there are definitely people who help me understand it along the way. It's like, it's, it's part about them doing what they're expert at. It's also like dignity too. You know, if somebody's making their livelihood and choosing to make it in a certain way, doing a certain job, mm -hmm. creating the space for them to do that, you know, is, is important. Um, just to, you know, for them to feel valued on set. And so like when you are meeting with a client and you're going through like the spec and like how much it's going to cost, and then you're going to list out like all of the different positions that you're going to have on board. Like, how do you add value? How do you make sure that they see the value to spend X amount of dollars for these type of clients people? too? They have a marketing budget that needs spent. So there's that there. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes, sometimes it can be driven by the idea. Like there's ideas out there that are just expensive. Like the world's largest cookie, you know, it's like if someone were asking like, why is it a cost a lot? It's like, well, just the ingredients, you know, it costs a lot. But sometimes someone comes with an idea. It's like, can we execute this? It's like, yeah, for sure. And it does sound simple, but here's kind of why it's not. Right. Um, I think other, other than that, it's like, you know, we really can scale our budgets and our productions, you know, like it's kind of what I was saying earlier, if we're smart on our side, you know, we can, we can take on a, a smaller client and a larger client um, kind of with the same amount of confidence. Mm -hmm. um, I think at a certain point, there's just, there's an expectation for companies that like, this is the level of production that we want to do. Mm -hmm. And f for me, I guess, you know, being a little bit vulnerable, like coming more from a documentary style background, mm -hmm. the, the mindset as like a documentary director or shooter is to go into someone's environment and find the most beautiful sort of version of that whether it's in the visual or in, in an interview or whatever. And, and I think like, I, I love that part of filmmaking and I get a lot, a lot of life from that. You can't bring so, a, bring a big crew into a doc like interview or something yeah, like that. And, and just the, the need to be able to move between things. Um, and, and so I think like at, at my worst, I'll look at a big set and feel like we're just trying to get back to like what's, already beautiful you know? mm -hmm. it's like you're you're taking it all the way back and then you're adding this adding that and and if you've done well you've arrived at like an elevated version of kind of reality of, of the idea that you're going for and so i do like i i still i still love doc stuff like we work with water street mission a lot mm -hmm. um and obviously you know those are not we're working with real individuals going through difficult times. And so it's, it's really, it's sensitive. It's, it's, uh, it's not big crews. It's just going in and finding, you know, beauty in those, those stories. And like, i I find just as much life still in being in those settings. Um, so I think, I think the scale, you know, it's like, yeah, there are times where it's, where it's just necessary 
to, to actually execute the idea. There's other times where the client just, that's their expectation is that you would produce at that scale. And then there's times where like a smaller production can get the job done. Right. But so I think our job is like guiding people if possible to the right solution. So then yeah. when you do those bigger things too, are you, are you're directing everything? Are you putting those crews in place? Are you hiring that team out and everything? Yeah. So we, so um, then that's, that's where it, because a month, two month, three month thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we, one week thing. The awesome thing about about you know kind of central PA, like the film industry is growing. Like, the film industry is built on freelancers day rates. You know, that's like if you go to a bigger city, that's how it is. You know, um, and and the network that that's growing here in the in the area is like people are doing really really good work at these specialized jobs. So we've built a network of of people that we love working with and. You know, we're excited when we get to call them again and, you know, dive into another different, you know, different project, different creative. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're producing. Um, I'm typically, well, yeah, typically directing as well. Um, although, in the, you know, in the future, I think we have uh, space like creatively for other for other directors, voices and kind of eyes to come in. So what's your uh, what is your like dream, your vision where do you want to take it? I mean, from a film perspective, right? So being a creative, like, do you want to put together like, re like reality TV or feature length film or like, what's the end? Yeah. What's the end, end goal? Yeah. So it's interesting. So we just hired a couple of people, uh, like we were saying earlier. And one of the things that we've intentionally done in the past, even just a couple of weeks is like by department, taking time to, to have those conversations. Like what, what, what does the next one to three years look like and what does beyond that look like? And I think, I think where we are right now in the film side is because, because I got my start in documentary, there was, there was a period last year. And I think I probably talked to you about this Cameron where like there was a risk of being pigeonholed into, Oh, those guys only do documentary. Mm -hmm. And that was never a choice. It was just what we happened to do that people resonated with early on. And so we specifically made space last year for some more commercial, you know, bigger production type stuff, like the, the hot dog shoot that camera was on. Um, and, and that was intentional partly to, to keep the door open for both of those routes for the future. So I, I feel like our next one to three years is like, intentionally keeping the door open to short and long form documentary and also higher production commercial, um, commercial stuff. Um, yeah, I, th I think, I think if we're able to do that, like I was saying earlier, like we, we create a place where creatives can come in and have a voice. Mm -hmm. And from, for me, it's like the, f the future hopefully looks like building into those voices and, and allowing people to, to be able to create kind of under the thread brand. So. Under the thread. That should be your podcast name. We try to move away from all the thread uh, analogies. As well. You don't like the name? No, we like the name, but it 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 actually means something. So, it, like all the analogy, you know, it's kind of like. What does it mean? We're, we're looking, looking forward, forward to when it's like Google, you know, where no one thinks about what a Google is. It's just, Google. yeah, exactly. So That's what we're, we're looking forward to when it's just, oh, it's just thread the studio. Yes. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen, but. I'm really? What are you talking about? Oh man. Thread is like a Google is like a weird abstract word. A thread well, what is about like, Apple. Yeah, I still think of the Apple every time. <laughs> good point though. That's a good point though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We only need five hundred million more customers to get to that point. My yeah, when when somebody says Apple, my my like subconscious is split. 
like right into two yeah. pictures show up. Yeah. One just has a bite out of it. <laughs> I think as a studio, just kind of more broad even than film. We, um, because we work kind of um, so much of our work is for brands on behalf of them doing, uh, communication work. We knew that commercial had to like continue to ramp up. But what's interesting about this Luca like scenarios, Luca is like, we could have just done a commercial for Luca or we could have done a reel for Luca, but we actually did a long form piece of content, which many people maybe wouldn't even recommend. And it was, it, you know, we don't know numbers or, you know, quantities of, you know, the volume of people who watched it or something, but we know that it was successful, you know, even just even from, you know, the client. Um, and so at least from my perspective on the, you know, kind of other side of the business or thinking broadly about our business, I feel like even though we traditionally think, oh, commercial work is like easier. It's kind of in the ad space. It makes more sense that we would kind of work on commercial stuff and campaigns. It feels like doc is kind of gaining in its commercial viability in a lot of ways too, uh, to where it's not just like the fun story project. It actually can serve business, business objectives too. So, so you guys see yourself like documentary, it's like filmmaking documentary, like hour and a half long stuff. Or do you like, like, um, do you see yourself? Well, what's like a creative studio that you guys look up to? Oh, dude, I'm the wrong person. <laughs> yeah, um, Can I would I say that I would say that uh, Chris could probably give you a longer list of studios. The film studio list would be a little bit shorter, but there's a lot of then individual directors that because because once you get to a certain scale, it's like a director's basically you know kind of on their own but working for different but do you guys want to do like do you guys want to get stuff on like amazon or like on netflix and stuff like go that route or do you still want do you want to do like like more vayner media type of stuff yeah so i would say personally if the story was like i would absolutely dive into a longer form documentaries you know piece if the story was there like Mm -hmm. To me, I I thought about this actually when I was trying to to listen to some of your episodes and realizing <laughs> we were coming in blind because there's no episodes. <laughs> yeah. First episode is coming out next so week. Glad so glad you were trying. Wow, so much yeah, homework, homework is research. done. You gotta have this on later too. Um, <laughs> but I think what I was thinking about was like there there's two routes that entrepreneurs take to business. One is like making money on the thing that you love. So saying like. I'm, I'm gifted at this. I'm, I'm, I love doing it. How can I turn it into a business? The other one is just like, I want to own a business that makes money. What can I do? And you get into like, you know, drop shipping businesses and stuff where it's like, those, those people don't, it's not like they care about they don't care lipstick about or whatever yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Right. Um, Which and, is fine. Either way. But I think, I think what that, because, you know, for us, we've built a business based on our, our passion, what we're passionate about. Yeah. Um, like, what's critical for our success moving forward is continuing to do work that we believe in, you know? So I think, you know, for me, it's not as much just what's the, what's the length and the medium and where is it distributed, but more like, is that the story that like the the story that that we're passionate about going after? Because creating that type of longer form thing takes, 
takes a long time, you know, so you're, you're, you're saying I'm going to exist with this for, for that long. I can't wait for that all hands meeting where you're like, so guys, uh, I'm going to be out of it for a year. (laughs) But I think, I think the interesting thing for us right now though, is like, because we, our aspirations for thread as a studio is that, are that, is that it would grow, you know, Mm beyond just like what I'm doing as a, as a director or the, what my capacity is or what Chris is doing, mm-hmm. you know, as a, as kind of a brand, brand creator and creative director. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we sort of, I think exist in that tension, like for sure, there've been moments where I'm like, if I'm, if I were really to pursue a career as a director, I don't think I could build thread in the way that, that I would want fully. Right. And so at some point there's this, this tension of like, I need to know that I get, and I do like, I, I love building thread and creating a place for, for other people to, to start creating and to grow and to thrive. And so I think at some point what that means is like, you know, my career trajectory, or at least what, what I'm putting my stock in changes, you know, from what I could create to, to building a place that's really but special. Shifting to CEO or management. Yes, yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is, which yeah. is actually exciting because it's, it allows you all these ideas that you do have or want to do. You have, you've built the marketing machine to have the sure. business to be able to actually implement a team to go do that and, and help you execute on that vision. So it opens up a lot of possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. I think something maybe adjacent to your question about like, you know, would you do a documentary or something like that is, um, I come from like the design background and when you're in like a design studio in school, there's just like creative energy all the time. You're working on all these different projects and, and it's just fun. Um, it's just a really fun, exciting, challenging growth oriented space. And so when we started thread, we knew we were trying to even still, how do we build in mechanisms to allow our team to follow passion projects when, when we have margin space and cash flow to be able to do those things. So maybe not necessarily directly oriented to a specific type of work, but you know, how do we make space for if there is a story that needs to be told or, you know, even, you know, we have an incredible developer. Now, if there's a product that needs to be built, how do we make space for that and kind of like follow that creative wind when it's blowing? Um, and so I wouldn't say that we've necessarily cracked the code on the functions of that throughout the business, but we talk about it often. Um, and even in the way we do business is kind of interesting. You know, we, you know, formally are working on partnerships, even with some of our clients to actually like come alongside them and slap skin on the game and actually build those things together too, which I think a lot of that conversation is non-traditional. Like, you know, it does require us to have like a certain amount of health as a business to, to be able to afford those conversations. But, um, we certainly know that like we're always creatively problem solving for our clients. There are going to be things and ideas that we even can incubate as a team. And it might be a documentary. It could be a web experience, a digital experience or a product. It could be, you know, our, our team just recently uh, decided that they want to do like a photo storybook of this like farm. And it's like a book of poetry and some stuff like that. So, you know, I think kind of like nurturing and kind of uh, that and cultivating that, like, creative seed is important too. Um, we do it a lot through our client work. I think our work is really fun and enjoyable and we love our clients. Um, so we're not doing it out of this like place of desperation or something like that. But, um, yeah, it's something that I think even just for our team is like a huge win. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I love that. I, I think about that a lot too. Um, mm-hmm. From just like, I think business, it, well, I, like Google is a great example because we talked about them. Mm-hmm. Their bit, what is their business? It's just a quiz. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the question. Yeah. Like, I just, yeah. It's data, but specifically, it's advertising. Right. Yeah. They, and, and as far as anything else, they suck. They can't make real money that's substantial enough to actually deviate from their advertising thing. And so, but because of how healthy their advertising business is, they get to take these moonshots all the time. And so I think that's like, I mean, that's my dream is like to have this business that's very healthy mm-hmm. that allows you to take moonshots all the time. Yeah. And I think we've, we, we've been there and we've not been there throughout our, yeah. and, and when we're there, we like go super hard mm-hmm. and then you have, and then like one thing I'm learning is like with how quick things change, like we are, we will be super healthy and then we'll go to like, holy cow, this month was crazy. Cause like whatever, if you're doing all ads and stuff and you're a new company, nobody talk, knows about you. One thing changes and everything changes. So like we'll start projects that sound really good and they're awesome and they're going to kill it. But then, then it's like, then if we go overboard with that project, if a month changes, then we're over stretch, then we're stretching ourselves to thin. So it's just, that happens with scale and time and stuff. But like, yeah, I mean, falling so, in love with management and structure is definitely... I'm curious how, how you decided on cookies then early on. Cause I feel like in some ways it sounds like it was sort of the challenge of building a business selling something or is there a history to why, why cookies? Uh, I've all, so I've always been in love with the idea of inventing something. And like, that was like what I was passionate about. And so I found that through music cause like you could make, you know, art, right. Or like music. And that was like super exciting to me. And the idea of being able to actually reach a ton of people and share that song that you created with, you know, millions of people. And like, my goal has always been to have a number one hit. And so, and that's still my goal. And I mean, there's people that don't, that do that when, when they're 45 and they just do it through their company and then they sign an artist or whatever it is. But like, that was just like something so like a cookie too. Um, this was for us just something that Lord really put, really did, and like put us on this track because I did not. I thought a cookie company was a horrible business. I did not see it. I had no vision for it, but it actually started just out of me and Sarah making cookies when we were dating as something fun to do. I mean, it literally as pure as we waited to have sex till we were married, and so you need other things to do in that year of dating. And so we bake cookies and just, and then Sarah's very health conscious and I was eating uh, the Keggies um, mom's cookie, that, which I don't know if you've had any <laughs> like, Keggies cookies. I don't know if you've had her cookies. And that is a great, maybe we shouldn't promote her cookies. On no, this, they're so. great. Okay. I don't know if she sells them, but they're made with Crisco. Uh, uh, okay. And so I wanted Burns. that same cookie and like insomnia, all of them like, yep. I love those cookies so much and, but they're all made with like crap ingredients. And so, and Sarah just was like, that's bad fat. You can't have that blah, 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 all that stuff in in like the most nicest possible way. Not that Mm -hmm. voice at all, but it's like, for me, I'm like, okay, well, we'll just do the same thing with butter. And we just swapped out. We asked for Anita's recipe Mm -hmm. and we just swapped out for butter and it was just like horrible. And so then we're like, and then that, that was just like, 
I was like, all right, well, if I can't eat these cookies, like I can't have Red Bull either. Right? Like these type of things. So if I can't have this stuff, then I want to create one that tastes exactly like it. And so we just, it took us like a year and a half of just like when we were free or doing date nights, like that's what we were doing. And it was less about like cre- creating a cookie. And it was, I think it was more of just the experience of being together and like accomplishing this goal. But there was no way we would ever start a cookie company. It was, that was not in the plan at all. Like genuinely not in the plan. And so even then after the fact, um, when we had it, like people, I think we sold like two dozen total. Right. And we just didn't, what we weren't pursuing it. Um, but taylorchip.com, uh, we, we opened that because we were broke. So for our wedding, um, we did wedding favors as cookies, which is why we made them so big. And so, and taylorchip.com was our wedding website. No yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's how awesome. so that's literally how it happened. And then and then somebody, a small business in Lancaster was trying to do that market that eventually failed. Mm-hmm. And they asked us to do it. Mm-hmm. Not to be a part of that in yes. there. And then we talked to Stroopies. Yep. Um and Jonathan and Jenny like showed us their shop and they're like, this is like it was like less than four hundred dollars a month to be there. And they're like, it's honestly like a great way to get started and mm-hmm. low investment. It's only a year lease. And so sure. they're like, it sounds like a great idea. And we're like, okay, we'll do it. And that and it just felt like the Lord was just like leading us to do it. Yeah. And so that's how it started. And yeah, so I didn't think it was a good idea. I thought it would fail, but I knew. You so I got a cookie profit. I, yeah, no, I, I gave my boss now. from like, I was doing like real estate stuff with Eric Whitmer. Okay. Uh, like looking at the share sale properties that these, this company was buying. Mm-hmm. And so I gave them like a two month notice. Cause I'm like, just in case, <laughs> like, let me make sure I don't leave you guys high and dry. Um, so, but, but then, you know, I was doing marketing for like the, my musicians and I was doing right. their album arts. And so like, I just mm-hmm. was, I, I was able to do, you know, the initial branding and the, and the, all that stuff. And then I just like kind of was like, well, let's put $5 behind a Facebook ad and see how it happens, see what happens. And it just was like, it just worked $5 in $500 back or whatever it was for just on local. Cause we did local videos and um, we, yeah, it worked. And I just started to see the vision after we already had our stand. And I was like, well, this can actually be something. And that's when we started putting like money into it and marketing. But, but we, it was 15,000 ish to get started. And uh, we got a bunch of credit cards to get to that and paid that off within like three months and never put another dollar into it. And so, yeah, but that's, but yeah, no, I didn't just, I was, didn't just start to just sell. I, uh, yeah. I, I actually loved. That's cool to hear the, the story. The, the, the process of it, I think was cool. And that's for me, that was the only way that I could actually probably even be successful because I'm such a visionary big thinker that the only way that I could make something happen realistically was probably the fact that I didn't have a vision for it. And so I was able to just enjoy the process and the day to day. Yeah. Not get in the weeds on it all. Yeah. So I'm curious, so some of like the initial reason that you guys made the cookie in the way you did was because Sarah was like, those other cookies are really bad, yeah. <laughs> like for you, yeah. you know, ingredients wise. Um, why would you say your customers love Taylor Chip? I've always been curious about that. So story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of our customers very much appreciate that we if we are using a dye, we don't promote the cookie. Like for instance, we have an M&M cookie that was just so highly requested. So we did it. 
and we have an Oreo cookie that's just top seller. Like people love it. So we do it, but we always say like, these have this. And it's just like, we're, we try to be very upfront about what we're using on the ingredient side and just like, you know, uh, local free range eggs that are soy free and non GMO. And like, um, so I think people care about that less and less, but I think there's like the brand equity of that initial starting is still there as well as just the customer experience, I would say probably. And then I've tried a lot of cookies. Like I'm a huge fan of cookies and I, I still, I still think, I think I'm interested. Do you have a top cookie that you like? What's, what's your top cookie? In terms of brand? In terms of brand. And don't say mine if it's not mine. <laughs> like taste or brand? Ta- no, like, yeah, ta- like like the experience of the cookie. Yeah. The only cookie I ever had was actually at the mall the other day. Oh, really? The that only was the only Taylor chip I've ever oh, had, wow. which it was good. It was good. good. Um, the best cookie I've ever had is not like a brand. My old business partner used to make them for our like team meeting like together. <laughs> yeah, Sprinkle a little salt on top, but I'm just yeah. like a classic chocolate chip guy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so so I haven't, yesterday we were in Philly and I like walked by insomnia and I was yeah, like, you've never had insomnia. No. Oh man. It's too much for me personally. This guy. I'll eat anything, anything with sugar. He walks it. They, <laughs> they, they make like uh, uh cookie sandwiches with icing. What What is your reasoning? So he, he walks in and he's like, I want a mega cookie with a lot of icing. He's like, dr- dr- I think it's called, it's like DR. I don't know. That's, Something it's a, it's an icing giant uses the same icing. It's okay. so good. Okay. It's like nice. this. It's basically just like canola oil and 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 soy. And, and he and walks in. He's like, I want an absurd amount of icing on it. Yeah, that's what he. The instruction yeah. that he well, gives I said, them. I said like more than extra. I believe. Yeah. Smother me in icing. Smothered yeah. and covered in what is yeah. it? waffle house stuff. Yeah, yeah. So he yeah. like pipes a brand new bag, and he's like, "Is this good?" I'm a, I love cookies. I love all. I love all cookies really except for there's this one company that i their cookies are horrible crumble yeah (laughs) (laughs) genuinely like i'm a cookie guy i'm friends with all like a lot of other cookie company owners who are bigger than me or smaller than me whatever like their cookies are good yeah and if a cookie is good a cookie is good but these cookies are the worst cookies ever and they taste like betty crocker mix yeah i actually think they're more cake than cookie yeah probably have you had them yeah, I have. We had them in the Outer Banks on a yeah. family vacation. Yeah, so that's so. the one I have had. They're, yeah, okay. Yeah, tough. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, we're, uh, we don't have dummy batteries for all of our cameras. So we're wrapping up on like <laughs> 10% on, on camera one. <laughs> so is 2%? that 2% now? Perfect. Great. So we're going to wrap this up. Um, I mean, well, uh, you guys, where, where, can, where can clients find you? That's a plug for our website. No, <laughs> uh, no. People can follow us on Instagram. We we are active on there despite our lack of posting. We'll yeah. like your stuff, uh, and it's follow for follow. Yeah, follow for <laughs> no. We don't, we don't do that. Uh, made dot buy dot thread because we're still trying to figure out how to get. You guys should teach us how to get that Instagram. You have an handle. LLC. Yes. Is it? Uh, do you have a um, uh, what's trademark? trademark? No, but we could get one. Get one. Yeah. I think the person who has what we want is overseas, though. So I'm not sure if that matters. You just need a U.S. trademark. Oh, okay, sweet. Should we restart yeah, this yeah, process? Anyway, thread made by thread. Yes. Thank you guys for coming. Yes. It's been super fun. And uh, yeah, madebythread.com. Their book is available everywhere. Yes. 
wherever books are sold. Wherever books are sold. Thank you, guys. It's been fun.